0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, June 10th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. We discuss the deadly dog attack that took place last weekend, which took the life of an 86-year-old Calgary woman. We asked the mayor for her thoughts surrounding ambulance response times in the city and if we need to look at changes surrounding dog ownership within the current city bylaws.
1: Next, we head south of the border and catch up with Global News Washington correspondent Reggie Cicchini. We get the latest in the ongoing January 6th insurrection inquiry, including further evidence on former President Donald Trump's involvement.
0: Then we hear about an ambitious pilot project taking place in the UK, looking at the feasibility of a four-day work week. We get details on the project, the largest in history, from Kenny James, UK broadcaster and business owner.
1: And finally, pickleball. It is the fastest growing sport in North America. We catch up with Tony Tai, president of the Calgary Pickleball Club, to explain what makes the sport so popular and where you can give it a try here in the city.
0: Alberta Health Services and the City of Calgary have ordered separate reviews into why you took an ambulance 30 minutes to get an 86-year-old woman who was attacked by three dogs and ultimately died of her injuries. Uh, To discuss this and all things happening in the city, we're joined by Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning to you, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Andy and Sue. Uh, You've been quoted as saying that the dispatch system is broken. What exactly is the problem and what do you mean by this?
2: Well, a few years ago when the province came to us and said that they wanted to take EMS dispatch out of our tri-service integrated model, we were quite concerned. We indicated that there would be delays to response times and that the consolidation that we had between police, fire and EMS was globally recognized and there was many other jurisdictions trying to replicate it, so why would you take apart something that was working well? And we can see from the tragedy on the weekend and so many other messages that we have received from calgarians that the current system doesn't work this dispatch model that the province has put together is not working anywhere in the province
1: so the internal external investigation do you think that that is going to be enough would you like to see things revert back to the way it was before or they did this consolidation and all the problems started
2: happening When it comes to the internal review that the City of Calgary will do, uh, that is something that gets done on any type of an incident to ensure that we understand what happened. When it comes to the external review that the province has promised to deliver over a four-month period, you know, I guess things take the time they take, and that's good that it's going to be thorough, but you cannot focus solely on this incident. They need to engage with municipalities immediately to listen to us and explain to us why we cannot go back to the tri-services model we had that worked well.
0: And the discussion is continuing surrounding such a horrific incident that we've seen in our city about strict rules for pet owners of certain dog breeds and a number of dogs even that someone can have in their home. One texter suggesting mandatory training for certain breeds of dogs. What are your thoughts on this?
2: you know it's um a topic that was discussed exhaustively a couple of years ago when we were looking at the responsible pet ownership bylaw and any potential changes to it at that point in time which was you know fairly recently as my last term on council the majority of calgarians did not favor identifying so-called bully breeds or banning them The overwhelming majority of Calgarians said pets are the responsibility of the owner and owners should be held absolutely responsible for the actions of the animal. And there's indication that there's many different types of breeds that are responsible for the bite incidents that we are seeing. So I don't know that there's an appetite to open this back up again, considering we just looked at this very recently.
1: Well, I think there'll be much more discussion on that coming up for sure after what happened. I, I wonder if I wonder if there will be a little, little bit more appetite after this. But um, let's kind of switch gears again and talk about the global energy show just wrapped up in the city. I mean, it was back after a couple of years hiatus because of the pandemic. Had to have been really, really positive for the city of Calgary.
2: Oh, people were excited. I was able to attend in the morning on Tuesday. Folks were happy to be getting together with their counterparts from other places around the world. There were some pretty lively discussions about how to access capital that would drive us towards new technologies and innovation that would allow us to really um, deliver on an energy transformation that we need at a global level. Our restaurants were full. Hoteliers were very happy that their rooms were full. It was a good news story for our city.
0: All right, let's uh, talk about the backyard and our gardening. We like to be outside. We have a very short summer season. And, and in fact, we've had a a couple of texters complaining about the dandelions and saying that they're out of control this year. And can the city do something? So I'm asking you, can the city do something there?
2: (laughs) You know what? Dandelions and snow removal, it's always, Mm. you're not doing enough. It's not good enough. Um, With dandelions, from what I understand, we do spray sports fields to make sure that... um, They don't pose any kind of a danger to people that are participating in activities. When it comes to other types of spraying, I think it's fairly sporadic. I don't believe it's done on an annual basis. Um, And the other thing is when citizen surveys were done, people were more concerned about the herbicides that were going to be used. And that continues to be a concern for Calgarians. So I don't know that we're going to be ramping up uh, spraying herbicide anytime soon. Uh, Mayor, Andy and I had to suffer
1: through our own terrible bet, but you also had to don the Oilers' colours. You wore the jersey, you had your face painted. We saw it at the last council meeting. How difficult was it to to do that? (laughs) Or was it okay because the end result was that charity made some money?
2: You know, if we focus on the fact that (laughs) Ben Stelter is an incredibly brave little boy who has highlighted the... You know, the trauma that comes to families when your child is diagnosed with brain cancer, mm-hmm. um, for him to have, you know, so much positivity and energy and cheer for his home team, all of us were just happy to be participating in a bet where um, kids with cancer will benefit from our donation. But I got to tell you, that outfit was very itchy and the face paint <laughs> did not look
0: good. Oh.
1: The colors don't suit you. You're much no. better with red. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Probably wipe <laughs> that off the second you could. Get to- I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time uh, once again on a Friday morning, Mayor Gondek.
2: Thank you, and have a great weekend, everyone.
0: You too. That is Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek.
1: And the House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection in Washington held its first public hearing last night and presented new evidence on former President Donald Trump's involvement. With all the details, we're joined this morning by Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington correspondent. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Now, the hearings have started and some interesting information already out. Can you break it down for us so far?
3: Uh, yeah, look, this th- there was some remarkable information that was brought to light uh, last night, uh, including some depositions that were made public from the former Attorney General Bill Barr, from Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, and from his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Uh, we heard from this committee essentially pegging the blame for uh, the riot on the lie that had been told by Donald Trump over and over about uh, election fraud. There was an incredible timeline that played out what happened from the moment of the uh, speech at the Ellipse to the time that the Capitol was was breached, that really kind of brought it back to uh, uh, an unedited moment uh, in American history. Uh, you know, the first of what is going to be six or seven hearings, there was a lot of news made. Uh, and this committee is now going to be tasked with trying to figure out whether or not they can tie Donald Trump explicitly to everything that took place.
0: Not just watching uh, Trump and uh, his uh, closest His inner circle, if you will, but watching the happenings around it. Liz Cheney uh, backed Trump during his presidency. Now she's top Republican on the House panel, and she has criticized Trump's involvement. What does this mean for her political future at this point?
3: Well, I mean, it's it's important to remember that she is one of two Republicans on on this committee, a moderate Republican, but still a staunchly conservative Republican. And to be calling out not only a Republican leader of her party, but also members of her own party, uh, that was uh, was an incredible moment. She made a point of saying at one time uh, that Donald Trump will be gone one day, but the dishonor of her Republican colleagues will live forever. That That's a remarkable thing for a Republican to say. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for her in the future? Well, Donald Trump has already uh, you know, backed her primary contender. There is an opportunity here that voters could push Liz Cheney from a political dynasty family out of Washington. But she says ultimately uh, that she believes she'll prevail, but that this is more important than the election itself uh, of her getting back into Congress, that this is a moment in American history that needs to be corrected and righted.
1: There's another one that potentially could happen as well if some Republicans will get behind it. And and we switch gears a little bit and talk about gun control. So I know there are a few Republicans who are speaking out saying we do need some rules put in place, whether it's the red flag or the changing the age limit of buying these automatic weapons. So what's the latest on any kind of gun control measures ever getting into play?
3: I mean, look, gun control and and gun legislation in this country is going to be a forever conversation uh, and very little will likely ever get done when it comes to something big and broad. The House earlier this week, they passed uh, a number of of bits of legislation that would include raising the age limit, that would include incentivizing people uh, dealing with safe storage of their firearms. And there was some Republican buy in on that. There was some Democratic pushback as well. Two members of the party defected on that. The problem here is is that what the House does is always doomed when it goes to the Senate. Mm -hmm. There simply isn't the support in the Senate for what the House is doing. The Senate is working on their own legislation, but it is likely going to be a watered-down version of that, potentially dealing with background checks, potentially dealing with red flag laws. We could see something by the end of this week, or rather by or, or early next week, but again, there are still two opposing views on how to deal with gun control in this country from both parties.
0: Well, and all eyes on the politics behind it, the parties, the division, if you will. But I'm wondering, uh, you know, Reggie, down there, uh, when you, you're down there, you've been in, in Washington for quite some time. What are you uh, seeing and hearing from the public, from the people? Does it seem like it's different this time? Is there more you know, support for gun control?
3: I mean, look, gun control always comes back to the conversation uh, the moment there is uh, an incident in this country that deals with a mass shooting involving a large number of people. It is thrust back into the public's lap. It's thrust back into the political sphere. Uh, and you get the, the, the both sides, Democrats saying it's time for change, Republicans saying now is not the time for change. It's the time for thoughts and prayers for the victims, which is why things don't often get accomplished down here. The broader part of the American public is in favor of more increases to uh, gun safety, whether it is better background checks, whether it is red flag laws, and that includes a, a, a growing number within the Republican base. The problem is there is money that comes from the gun lobby that backs Republicans like the National Rifle Association, and that can get in the way of Republicans doing what the broader public may want them to do, which is why you end up with watered down or just different versions of what the broader public wants here. It's not going to become an issue where Republican voters vote out a Republican for how they work or how they act on on gun legislation it just stalls and slows things down it's
1: pretty sad let's talk about that school shooting though in uvalde texas a little bit more information sort of trickling out now about why police didn't go in as quickly as everybody believes they should have what do we know on this one now
3: so, look, it, it, at the end of the day, it, it, they're still blaming it on uh, on, on failed communication. Uh, they are blaming it on, uh, you know, officers' safety being a, of kind of a paramount importance to uh, leaders in the police force uh, at the time. This is simply causing more outrage. It is simply saying, had police just acted quicker, maybe more kids would have survived. Uh, there are a lot of unanswered questions, and we are seeing press conference after press conference where the press is pushing for some kind of answer from the police from members uh, of council uh, in Uvalde, uh, and they're simply not getting the information that they wanted, which is why there is such an increased effort here on the Department of Justice in Washington to uh, further their investigation or at least go further into detailing to the public what it is that they are looking for and ultimately what they may end up doing.
0: All right, let's switch gears uh, just before we let you go and talk about, well, the shift from COVID to monkeypox, the latest disease affecting people across the globe. What is the effect of monkeypox in the U.S. at this point?
3: I mean, look, there are more cases uh, of monkeypox uh, showing up. Uh, There are cases that are showing up in in Hawaii now, uh, of all places, uh, and that this is still not a cause for concern, at least amongst the broad public. And I mean, for what it's worth, monkeypox is is really not registering on most of the the public's agenda down here, even though this is a growing issue. Uh, We saw that the Centers for Disease Control did issue a level two travel alert for Americans that are traveling abroad, similar to what we saw take place uh, in Ottawa, not calling for Simply calling for a greater awareness of the surrounding situations and if, uh, you know, you find yourself in a position of feeling ill to potentially get that checked out. You know, the CDC is working to ensure the, the safety of the American public. It's worth pointing out, though, last week when these documents were put up online, the CDC originally did say if you're going on a plane, you should put a mask on. It was quickly you know, uh, uh, revamped and and the wording was taken away to not have to wear a mask, kind of thrusting us back into the situation where COVID was. Uh, But, you know, this is a crisis that is under control right now. It's just something the CDC is watching for.
1: Thank you so much for the update this morning, Reggie. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington correspondent. And workers in the UK are participating in the world's biggest trial of the four-day work week. Oh, I'm excited about this. As the global movement towards fewer workdays gathers momentum in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. With details on this project, we're joined this morning by UK broadcaster and business owner, Kenny James. Hi, Kenny. Morning, Sue. I haven't talked to you in a while. Good to have you on again. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about this project and, and what you're hearing.
4: It's an interesting one. It's a new four-day working week trial lasting six months in the UK. Some 70 companies have agreed to take part in it. Everything from takeaway stores right through to large financial organisations amongst those taking part. And as you mentioned, following the experience from the the work-at-home rules that came out of the COVID outbreaks, many people in the UK now say they don't want to go back to work full-time in the office at all. So it's causing issues for companies. Some say they simply can't find enough staff to function properly, so the government's supporting this new four-day-week trial.
0: It's it's interesting because I, I think that probably certain businesses would not be able to exactly take part. I'm thinking about whether it's transportation or hospitality. Are, are you seeing all sorts of different types of businesses and industries taking part?
4: Yeah, I think so, Andy. It's, it's interesting. People want to see a way forward. There's, there's issues in the UK now finding staff for many businesses uh, post-COVID and Brexit, of course, over here. A lot of people from outside the UK went back to their homes in Europe and other places uh, and have decided for whatever reason not to come back. So there's, there's a massive jobs available here and not enough people to fill them. So it's been causing issues for a lot of people. It's one of those things, there's no loss of pay. It's, it's called the the 100 model. So it's 100% of your pay. For 80% of the time, but with a guarantee of 100% productivity. But as you say, for some businesses, it's not an easy fill.
1: Interesting. So, how long's the trial run for? And, and what are they, you know, in, in terms of what they'll do afterwards? What are they hoping to kind of get some results and, and potentially implement it pretty quick, as far as you know?
4: I think so, too. So it's a six-month trial in the UK. Uh, Oxford and Cambridge University researchers are going to study the trial to see how it may work going forward. Uh, they say reduced cases of stress and burnout could have to be much more beneficial for companies and individuals. Morale apparently tends to be better, too, when you have more time to yourself at home. So initially six months, and then we'll see where it goes from there.
0: I know that you have uh, you know some ties and some experience uh, here in Canada. I'm wondering if you can give us a comparison between... You know, just how grueling a work week is in Canada versus the UK. Are they about the same or, um, you know, are, are, are there differences before this project?
4: I think they're similar in many ways, Andy. Uh, it, it varies business by business, of course. Uh, my, my business over here is, is mostly hospitality. Uh, people work long hours um, and uh, for relatively small pay, relying quite a bit on, on tips and gratuities to, to help make up their, their, their salaries. But a lot of people who sort of have been office-based, as I said, for post the COVID situation were forced to work from home, and many companies have realised that they can function quite well with staff who don't need to be in the office all the time. Uh, so this was a, a fallout from that, really.
1: So we know, Kenny, you know, as you're saying, there's there are some industries, some businesses that wouldn't be able to do a four day work. We could just it for some you know reasons, it might not work. But do you have friends or family or anybody who's participating in it right now? And, and sort of are you hearing thoughts of, of first, you know, ideas of how they whether they like it or not?
4: I haven't got any friends who personally that, that are doing it, but having conversations with friends about they would like to try it, and maybe they will try it going forward. And I say it, it, it suits some more businesses than others. You know, how do you think radio bosses would feel about you guys <laughs> saying you're only going to work four days a week?
0: Not we, good. We may not have good. made some poor choices We're trying, but not good. <laughs> and now we're understanding where the decisions we've made. Uh, we'll, we'll switch gears now and talk about what's replaced, uh, to a certain extent, the coronavirus in the conversation when it comes to our health. And that is monkeypox. What is the current situation when it comes to monkeypox in the UK?
4: Well, this one, only came out of the blue uh, in, in sort of five, six weeks ago. Uh, there have been some 350 cases or thereabouts reported in the UK in June. And it's now been classified over here as a notifiable disease, which means that doctors have to report it to the local health authority if they suspect one of their patients has the disease. We don't seem to have identified yet how it's being easily transmitted between people, although it appears to be mostly a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, Quite a bit of publicity about it around the outbreak, you should imagine, but not the sort of panic that we saw when, when COVID first set in.
1: Yeah, thank goodness, right? It doesn't sound like um, you know too too many people are are jumping in line to get a vaccine. Uh, although we do know it does exist for for people perhaps from the countries where it originates, but it doesn't seem like uh, you know people are kind of jumping on the train of, of worry in, at this time anyway.
4: No, they're advising people to be wary uh, if you have any rash or usual kind of ration, or that you may be in contact with somebody that that has. Uh, monkeypox we suspect may have monkeypox to get yourself checked out people who traveled to west and central africa recently according uh, to the uk government uh should be see a medic right away and, and check out for any signs that you may have picked up some kind of rash
0: all right and uh, when it comes to covid uh, to revisit covid would you say uh, or what percentage are you folks back to normal in the uk and uh, is there still some room for improvement uh, post-pandemic here
4: I think and the, uh, most businesses are back to normal. Um, most companies now, uh, aside of governmental departments and the government themselves, are now trying to encourage their people to get back to work and get back into the office. I think most companies have got people back in work. You see very few masks now in the UK, maybe one in 10 people. i uh, just been out this morning myself into the city. Very few masks around. I think we've sort of, we've mentally moved on even if we haven't totally mm-hmm. moved on in terms of the, the disease itself.
1: Thank you for joining us, Kenny. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for the update.
0: Good morning, guys.
1: Take care. Kenny James, UK broadcaster and business owner.
0: He's so fun. And yes, broadcast background, mm-hmm. works in hospitality. I think he's an incredible resource because of his uh, diverse background. And what better bird's eye view of what's going on than somebody who works in the hospitality industry, rubbing shoulders with, with the general public, having to have staff, mm-hmm. dealing with uh, you know distributors and uh, suppliers. Uh, it, it is interesting, and at one point, uh, it always comes back to this, we're going to have to hoist a pint with Kenny James, we'll get the station to fly us over there and, and see. This is a um, good idea,
1: road but, trip, we call that.
0: <laughs> it's it's uh, it's also, not just when it came to COVID, watching what was happening from the east moving west and into our side of the mm-hmm. pond, but this four-day work week, we've talked about it, and we kind of poked fun at it saying, wouldn't that be nice? Well, you know, more and more people are taking the serious look at it. Something we talked about, and I mentioned it on there, and somebody confirmed it in our text line, which was we didn't have a five day work week until Henry Ford came along and said, right. This is so we've been doing the five day because we've been doing the five day. Mm-hmm. Could there be a better way? Can you squeeze out as much product- uh, productivity in four days? I, I think, you know, if, if, if you have the diligence and you get out of that mindset of you five really days, want you it? can do it.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? You and We'll get a lot of text. Oh, so we couldn't do it. I couldn't do it in my business. Couldn't do it in my job. And that's probably the case for a lot of people. But if you can do it and your business can accommodate that, why not? If you get just as much productivity, if not more, people have better mental health because they've you know got a little extra time for themselves. Yes. Isn't that kind of win-win for everybody?
0: Well, and I think that you have a country like the U.K., Doing this. and yeah, the said, whole like, country o- doing yeah, it. Yeah, Oxford studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smart know, the, people oh, have come up with this, it's not dumb, dumb ideas. There it is Oxford, Cambridge. You mentioned a couple of names. If they have success, this will be taken seriously. This will be under the microscope uh, globally from other first world nations and saying, hey, you can work in the UK, and you better believe the workers. Once they give you the thumbs up in the UK, we'll be behind. Hey, look what's happening over there. You
1: know, it. the bosses might not be on board as quickly, but workers will be pushing it for sure. I can see that happening. And pickleball day is Saturday. And if you've been wondering whether this exciting new sport is for you, there's a free event to help you find out. Joining us now is former Calgary broadcaster turned pickleball aficionado. In fact, he's the president of the Calgary Pickleball Club, Tony Tai. Hi, Tony. Hi, good morning. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so you've changed careers entirely now. Um,
5: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I thought I was busy before, and uh, I'm really busy now.
1: <laughs> I bet. For those who don't know yet, how would you explain pickleball? Is it, sir, I would say, it's kind of a cross between tennis and badminton, would you say?
5: More towards uh, badminton, uh, kind of almost like uh, ping-pong badminton. Okay. Um the you don't have to run as much as tennis you don't have to hit the ball as hard the and the court is is a third the size so the court of a pickleball uh a game is is the same size as a badminton court only the net is 36 inches high so you don't have to you know really power the power the the, the ball you play usually with doubles so that reduces the amount of running you have to do and it's 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 a really kind of a short court sport where you're using a lot of strategy and ball placement and trying to outfox your opponents on the other side. Um, so it you know it's got a lot of uh, neat qualities to the game.
0: All right. So uh, does one skill overpower the other, Tony, or is this is kind of a hybrid thing in the sense that I don't have to be excellent at either?
5: You know, that's a really good point. Um, it's very easy to learn because the paddle is is small it's uh, It's even smaller than a racquetball paddle uh, you know say about uh, three times the size as a ping pong paddle um, you've got a, a plastic ball um, that's easy to maneuver you don't have to you know power it um, you know if, if you have good fairly good hand eye coordination um, and and you're, usually when you're hitting the ball, they're short strokes, so you're not you know you're not winding up and trying to get this thing powered as hard as possible, um, and and you're pretty close to the other people on the other side of the net. You know you're playing back and forth over a short net. So um, yeah, I, I would say that you know you don't have to have a back racket sport background. But it, we're teaching people who've never had those backgrounds and, and they're picking up the game really fast.
1: I have started playing too, Tony. I love it. And as much as it's you're not running around as much, it's a great workout. And as you say, I've seen people with, you know, all skill levels, people who've never played anything before, people with bad knees or bad backs, and they can still play and be really good at it. So if somebody's yeah. interested, how do they try the sport for pickleball day?
5: Well, the Calgary Pickleball Club has organized uh, a couple of events in the city on Saturday morning. So from 8 a.m. to noon at the North Glenmore Park tennis courts, we have our volunteers and hosts who've set up nets on the outdoor courts. And anyone is welcome to come by and see what it's all about, watch it, step in, borrow one of our our paddles for people, and and you get a taste of what the game is all about. You know, there'll be a lot of people there, so you might not get a a large amount of time to play, but at least for over two or three three or four hours, no, no problem. And then we also have something going on at the Brentwood Tennis pickleball courts that's on north mount drive and and in the north end of the city and they're doing a a pickleball day from 9 a.m to 11 a.m i might be stretching it to noon as well Mm -hmm. same idea come on out see what it's all about there'll be people there who know how to play the game and help you learn a little bit about it and then the rest of the year the calgary pickleball club has both outdoor and indoor pickleball year-round seven days a week And uh, you can find out all about it on our website, calgarypickleballclub.ca.
0: We'll send people there, calgarypickleballclub.ca. Thanks so much, Tony. Hope to see you on the court.
5: Great to talk to you guys again. Take care.
0: Thank you. That's Tony Tai. You know the name. Former broadcaster and president of the Calgary Pickleball Club. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.
0: And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.